Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm glad to have you. Okay, so I want to jump straight into it. Just to start, can you give like a short intro elevator pitch, tell the people what you do, what you're working on, all that good stuff? Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> it's all encompassing. So I'll start with the kind of the overall role. So director of marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital. We're a seed stage fund and also a pre-seed angel community called Vitalize Angels. I also host our podcast called the Vitalize Podcast, interviewing VCs, angel investors, and founders. And then I have my own podcast called Just Go Grind, also interviewing founders, founder focus, not as much investors. And then I have a founder community also called Just Go Grind of about 70 or 75 like founders in there jamming on building companies starting companies fundraising for companies all those things and then on top of that playing around on twitter daily and then always focusing on some other projects that are long term or in the future so there's a lot happening <laughs> yeah no i love it i love it and i love i feel like a lot of people like myself are just trying to manage one podcast and we're like drowning in work every week <laughs> from one podcast and you have three going on and yeah it's delegations helpful <laughs> yeah yeah very very impressive and i want to get deeper into that but i actually i wanted to start with a tweet of yours that i found that i really liked and i kind of want you just to explain almost like the origins of the thought so i'm, I'm going to sure. read it out for everyone so they have the context and then we can we can dive in so here's how it starts i didn't grow up around people who were building companies and pushing to do big things to change the world. Books showed me what was possible. Now you're one tweet away from anyone, have the tools to build anything and all the information at your fingertips. What will you do? Okay, <laughs> I, think, I think it's such a, cool, such a cool point. But here's where I wanna begin, which is like, you mentioned that you didn't grow up around, you didn't have this like built out network to start with. Can you kind of yeah. talk just to begin, like what were some of your early influences, number one, and then also what was the impact of reading books and like how did that even get you to this point that you're at now? Where like you mentioned the podcast, you mentioned the communities, like obviously the network is, is there in a massive way now. Explain yeah. to me that journey. Yeah, I'd say early influences. So. Here's the business stuff. So my, my best friend, he also lives in Los Angeles. We have always kind of gone back, ever since high school, have talked about different ideas. And it was all based on training, though, before, because we were both athletes in high school, then college athletes as well. So all of our focus was always on training. But we were reading, like, the best training manuals, the th thoughts of other, like, professional trainers and professional athletes and trying to get, like, insights into how do you become the best athlete possible, basically. And so we were super driven on that. So we had this drive and work ethic to figure out, like, what did that look like? And from that then, in college, as my career, I knew it was going to end. I wasn't going to the NFL or anything like that. So playing football in college, I was I started to read books about entrepreneurship. I had had this internship my senior year of college, at the end of, end of college. And it was at this gym called Fitness Quest 10. And at this gym, I remember there's two different things. One, there was professional athletes training with this guy, Todd Durkin. And then also I remember this other guy, Brett Klicka, was like the, one of the directors there. And he had this ebook he talked about. And he was like, I have this ebook. It's like selling for five, like five, he's making five grand a month off of this ebook. And I was like, wait, what five grand a month? And like, you don't do anything with it. You just created it and like sold it to the world and kept selling it and you do no more work. And he's like, yeah, pretty much. And I was like, that's insanity. But before then I'd already started reading some books, like before I worked with from Tim Ferriss and a number of other ones that was expanding my mind. I'm like, okay, like, what is entrepreneurship? I don't know how I got started, but something 
I was curious about building things and I always have had that from a young age. But then reading these books around like Tim Ferriss and thinking about different ways of like, how do you operate? How do you build companies? What type of companies are even out there? I was super intrigued by that. And so I was always reading and learning and trying to figure out, okay, what, what's possible? Like, first of all, so there's just, there's like this thread through my career of impact, but I always had like that tied to like anything is possible. If you put the work in, like I have a, a podcast called just go grind. I have a community called just go grind. There's a reason for that. Like, I believe like that's like one of the equalizers we have is we control our work ethic. We control the work we put in. And so when I had these influences of people I'd seen, and I always had read books on, even when I was younger, on like the athletes, like it would be like the training manual of like Ladanian Tomlinson, for instance, it'd be like, how did he train? And this, I remember it's from this magazine called Stack Magazine. And I'd seen all these athletes and how they train. So I saw that side of things. Like this is the work ethic. This is what's possible when you work hard. Then I saw the business side of it. And I was like, always like amazing entrepreneurs and reading books about them and autobiographies. And was like, these are kind of insane. Like, how do they do these things? And that just got me really interested in entrepreneurship. And it showed me way beyond what was possible from my little bubble of Wisconsin out into the world of like, wait, people are doing some crazy things. Cause that internship was in San Diego. I was living in Wisconsin, like my whole life up until then. That was the first time I really had gotten out. And that just showed me all these different things about, okay, one, people are doing crazy different things. Anything is possible. And if you put the work in, you can make something happen. So it's kind of, kind of hard to answer that question, like one concise thing, but there's so many different influences in books that essentially got me to where I am and that are behind that tweet around it's all possible from these different influences. Cause I, I talk to founders like every week and I don't have a ton of patience for like, woe is me, the market. Like, yeah, the reality is for instance, like we just saw this thing on TechCrunch. I just talked to Brandon Brooks from uh, Overlook Ventures about this. It's like 0.43% or something of funding went to black founders, for instance, this last quarter. That sucks, right? But in my head, all first thing I go to is, well, what can you do? <laughs> like you control what you can control. Well, then what are you doing about it? Are you raising a fund? Are you trying to raise for your own company? So you're one of the black founders. Like, like I'm always thinking like, what are the things you can actually do? And I think the books showed me that that was possible where it was like, oh, like complaining about something does nothing for you. Taking action does a ton for you. And so that all kind of culminated in that tweet for somehow I thought back to what influenced me and what was possible. And then that tweet was born. You never know, but that's how that tweet was born. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And I, it, th this really encompasses, I guess, the just go grind mentality. But when I was listening to you, the thing that came through is that you always believed that you can do it as well. So even more, and I guess that belief was almost like the foundation. And then the books was just the knowledge. The books just showed you that someone out there had done it. But you had the core yeah. belief like, oh, if one person's done it, then I can do it. And the thing is, that's even one thing I've seen in my own life. That's an incredibly powerful belief to have because you can really take that anywhere. And I guess I'm kind of interested, like, where did that even core belief even come from? Was that like your parents instilled that? You're just like that. You just think you're the guy. Like, what? It, what is it? Like, where did that, <laughs> where did that come yeah. from? Yeah, I can unpack it a little bit. I think first of all, it's, it's been there from a young age, so I can I tell the story before, but I, so I, in fourth grade, it was my first, first ever season of football. So I ended up playing all the way through college, but fourth grade is my first ever season and I joined late. And at that time, so if you join late in football, you miss like two a days or like the hardest practices typically. So all that conditioning you miss. So I remember I joined late and missed that. So I was so out of shape compared to everyone else. 
it was always like playing catch up. But because I was taller than everyone, I had, I was like, I grew early. So I was taller. I was athletic. I could hang because of that. But then I was out of shape from that. So I remember after the season, I was like, okay, I'm either going to quit because that I, we were like leg raisers and sprints and like running. I was like, this is so hard. Like after the season, I was like, either I'm going to quit or I'm going to like train my ass off basically. It's like be better next season. So I have a notebook of laps around my house, push-ups, sit-ups from fourth grade. So it goes back that far of like this idea of, well, what can I do? I can train. I don't know how, I don't know. No one really told me that. Like no one ever said to do that. Like I remember running around my house and I'm like, does anyone else do this? Like, I didn't really know, but I was like, well, I need to get in shape though. And I was a fourth grader, like literally in fourth. So it was like summer after fourth grade. And so I've always had at least that side of things. I think the benefit of playing sports and even having enough positive encouragement and success at a young age has carried through to the confidence of today. Because I think people who don't have that, they have to find some other domain, right? Because if you don't have as a kid, for instance, if you don't have some type of early wins or are in the popular group or like have some type of validation, it's going to be a lot harder, I feel like, to then grow through like, how, how do you have confidence when you're an adult, right? You have to have some type of momentum or wins or something that happens. For me, it happened to be sports. So sports gave me the confidence. And then from that, it was like, well, I know I have the work ethic. I know I can succeed if I put in the work. Then, then it's just a matter of like choosing the domain and then figuring it out. It's not like it's impossible. People have done it before. So it's clearly possible. If someone else can do it, why can't you do it? And so like that was always been ingrained from like a young age of you just take the steps to do it. And did I make it to like the NFL? No, but did I progress a lot? Yeah. As an athlete, but I always knew that it wasn't going to be the, the end result. Like eventually I was going to do something else. And so business has just captivated me for years and years, this idea of you can create anything. And I think it all stems from having as a young kid, some early successes, some early wins, just sign that like you put the work in, you get the result. It just from that young age, I think I've always kind of been that way. Hmm. You know, you know what's interesting? Cause I've thought about this even for myself. And I don't know if it's like a character trait or it's like your environment, like your parents or whatever. But I feel like some people need very little encouragement to then believe that they can almost do like the impossible. So like, and, and I was kind of like this growing up. Like if I won like one thing, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm meant to be, yep. I'm meant to be this. This is what it's meant for me. And like, I think similar to you, it was like, all I needed to see was that there was a chance. If there was a chance that I could achieve something and I knew that I wanted it, I was like, oh, it's mine. But then I've also <laughs> seen it the other way around, which is like some people need like an overwhelming amount of evidence in order to have that then conviction to go for it. And part of it, I'm almost, I was, when I was listening to you, I was like, do you think part of it was like a competitive instinct? Like to explain why you were training that much in like fourth grade was part of it. Like, I just don't want to lose. Like, I don't want other people to be. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely less a competitive thing and more, more of a competition with myself to just see your, my, like my own limits. Because for me, it's like as an athlete growing up, so I, I played against, I played AU basketball for instance. So I played against people who like go on to go D one. I played football against people who go on to like the NFL. I can, I know as NFL lineman, I remember him blocking me and it's like, that guy is insanely big athletic and he's going to be in the NFL. Sure enough, he got drafted like the fifth pick in the draft. So like I played against these 
these people who have done that. So like the competition is like, it's hard to compare to others. But for me, it's always like, how far can I push myself? So I don't know where that came from, but it was always like a challenge, almost a test of like, well, what could I do? And like, I, I mentioned reading workouts and everything. Like I was reading like Jerry Rice back in the day, like one of the hardest working receivers, best of all time type of deal. I was reading his workouts like as a young, young age. And I was like, who is this guy that could like do this? And I remember being so enthralled with Michael Jordan, same thing. And like, I don't know many like kids who are reading workouts like that, who are curious about the training side of it, not like the end result, but like, how do they train to get there? And so like that interest, I'm very lucky that I had that, that curiosity and I still have the curiosity because for me, like the curiosity part of it, of like, how far could I push it? How far can I take myself? Then drives me to see, and it's not against someone else. It's just like against me. And then as time goes on, same thing with the learning thing, the curiosity thing with that, with reading books, like the fact that I read so many of those like typical business books and all these like biographies at a, even in college, like voracious reader. Then when I hear people say things, I'm like, I recite a book I read from like 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, like you're so much farther ahead if you had the education and the knowledge before, then you're already past that. And then, then you're able to draw on that and process that in a different way where like the learning curve is so much shorter for you already because you've gone through that. So I feel like I've always had the curiosity as well. And then that just fueled everything else too. Hmm. You know, it's actually really powerful if you have if you have that instinct to like study something intensely in today's age it's so powerful because there's so much information like the information is ubiquitous and even for me like when i was in my teenage years i always kind of knew i wanted to be like successful at something like i similar to you i wanted to see like how far can i go and i think the reason why is because at least in school where I started initially, wasn't that good. Like I was always quite like a mediocre, or to begin with, I was a very mediocre student. But then when I started putting like work in and my dad put like certain discipline and like structure around me, I saw the progression. And then from there it was like, wait, if I went from this point all the way to this point, that can be replicated in any, in any field, right? You just have to study it the same way. It's like, success leaves clues and I started and it's cool like even the fact that we both do podcasts right because podcast is one of the greatest things for studying success you can literally listen to like someone who's doing really cool shit like you can listen to exactly how they did it and then it's like the more interviews you listen you get better at like really taking out the insights like really seeing what let what had like a disproportionate impact for them it also so, yeah, becomes more real right like like mm. like it once you have the podcast and stuff like it becomes more real like they're just people and i remember mm. i can go back to a few different interviews i remember one of the first interviews i did with a vc i never talked to a vc before and i remember doing this interview with a vc it was like a bigger name vc and i remember being so nervous for that and then when i ended up doing the interview it was like it was fine there's like nothing it's just like yeah, this guy just decided to get in this industry and he got into it and he did it and like all took all these steps and whatever, whatever, whatever. It was, it was just like, it was so real. It was like, oh, he's just a person. I remember talking to the first person who was a billion dollar company on the podcast. And it was like, oh, like he just is curious about something. He took action. He decided, oh, how do you do this? I don't know. Well, I'll figure it out. And he just did it. And like those types of stories to me are just like, the more podcasts you do and podcasts you listen to, like it makes it more real where it's not some abstract thing. So a lot of times we're, we're separated from other people, from other worlds. We think about other countries and we're so abstract because it's like, oh, well, 
like, like give it for example like ukraine you're like oh well ukraine is so far away it's like there's a war going like there's literally like a war there but it's hard to even like conceptualize because like you're in your own little bubble in whatever place you're in but once you talk to those people or you talk to the, these founders it makes it so real where it's like any like it one it's possible in the context of the business stuff it's just like it makes it more it's possible because you've had those conversations but also it's like why couldn't i do that and for for anything like that, like even like you see the examples online all the time, it's like, oh, once you hear their actual story and like you find out who they are, it's like they may have made a lot of sacrifices. They may have like not the greatest balance in life, which is a whole another topic we can talk about. But it is very possible for almost anything, unless you're talking like LeBron James. Yeah, you're not going to be if you're not six nine and two forty and can jump out of the gym. It's a little harder to do that. But in the business world. It's just like in many ways it's equalized and yes, there's disadvantages for sure, especially for like underestimated and overlooked people. But like, what are you going to do about it then? Like, like I don't look at like the fact that I'm black and be like, well, I can't do something then it's going to be harder. Okay, great. Like, well, what can I control about it? I can't control other people. I can only control what I do. So it's just the intense focus all the time of that. And like these podcasts, as you mentioned, just make it more real. We're like, oh, you could do it. Why not? Hmm. It's such a, it's such a powerful moment when you have, that that just what you said at the end the why not like when you when your brain switches to that way of thinking of like oh like why can't i do that like i think it almost begins with you and we all do this to different people but like we put people on a pedestal right you think that they're like fundamentally on like some basic level they're just different from you they have something that you just don't possess and even the example with lebron james I think he he's different, I guess, in a way, because he's like 6'9". But there's something, I think, that everyone has that they can be the LeBron James in that field. I guess the way that LeBron James is fortunate is like his strength area is just obvious because he's 6'9 <laughs> and he's like 240. It's like, oh, yeah, you're obviously going to play in the NBA. Like, it's just obvious. But yeah. like everyone has their thing. And it's amazing, like, even because I've watched so many of these, like, these interviews with athletes and like these podcasts there's like a wave of media where athletes are now putting this content out there and it's just interesting when people even describe working with LeBron because they don't even necessarily talk about like his ridiculous god-given talent it's like his work ethic the way that he shows up like his attention to detail his discipline like that's something that anyone can do and I think his is a story of like he found his strength area and then he committed to it for the guy's been playing basketball for like, I don't even know. He's been in a professional for like more than half his life. Like crazy yeah. to even think about. <laughs> well, um, I think even with that one, the example with Kobe, I think Kobe Bryant in terms of like work ethic. And I read the, Tim Grover is a trainer of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And like he has Relentless and Winning are his two books. And he's talking about the training for both of them. And he's just like, there's really no one that can match Kobe's work ethic. He's just willing to sacrifice everything to go after something, which is like, not for everyone to be clear <laughs> but mm -hmm. if you're willing to do that to see how far you can go the sky's the limit in many ways obviously you have to have a number a level of natural ability if you're going into a particular sport like basketball however when it comes to like the world we're playing with business like it's it's crazy because there's like anything's possible like there, it, height doesn't matter like whatever doesn't matter and like yeah it's harder for sure depending on who you are potentially and you may have you may be starting you know with without as much of a head start as other people have because they maybe already have networks and stuff 
but again, I just go back to this all the time. It's like, what do you control? And your actions and what you do, like that's all you have anyways. And so I get fired up about this stuff because that's what I think about constantly. It's like, well, what can I control with that? Were you willing to make the sacrifices to, to, do, to do more? Like I remember talking to Matt Conwell and he's like, did like 1,100, 1,200, you know, calls to raise his first fund or the first like 90 days or whatever. And it was just like, oh, cause like that's how we had to do it. He didn't have another option. Like what's the other option, quitting? Like, no, if, that, if, it's not, if that's what you decide you want to do, you just do it. And so I love seeing those examples for that reason. Like, if you want to do it, you just do it. Because what's the alternative, right? Like, not doing it, and then you just, mm. like, I don't know. I just get fired up with that stuff, too. You know, I, I love the process of, like, just simplifying things. Because what I've realized, even just analyzing myself, whenever I get disillusioned, it's because I've added this layer of complexity. Like, the challenges that I'm coming across they just seem so like nuanced and complex. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this, man. And I've been trying and it's not working. And you come up with all these reasons and like limiting beliefs and reasons it's against you. And because I, I love Kobe as well, that guy's like my idol. And I've listened to like all of his interviews. And one of the things that really sticks out and it's constant is the way that he would simplify things. And I remember he even talks about the moment in his rookie season and I think it was in the playoffs and he was like this rookie that took like these shots at the end of like the final playoff game, both air balls. And so many players, like you even see it right now with like Ben Simmons, right? Like they're like mentally scarred off the embarrassment and the humiliation of that experience. And then I just love the way that he broke it down, how he responded, where he was like, if you look at my shots, they were all online, in line with the hoop. They were just short. Like my legs weren't powerful enough for it to get to that point. So I just trained my legs. Like I just trained, I built strength, like I built endurance. And that's the process of like just simplifying the steps. It's like, okay, here's the problem. What are the, what's the logical next step? It's like, oh, my, my legs aren't strong enough. I'll train my legs. I'll get Michael Jordan's trainer. I'll like, it's just these simple steps that get you to, to reaching your goal. Well, and to that point too, like obviously we're talking like to founders all the time at Vitalize and even with just a grind in the community. And it's like, what's the biggest challenge of most of them is fundraising. Right. And mm. a lot of the times we're talking to them, it's like, there's a few different questions I ask. Like one, are you sure you want to be fundraising in the first place? <laughs> That's like top line start point. Like, are you like, are you sure you want to go down that route? Cause it comes with certain certain expectations going this venture back startup route, which has been blown up in terms of the, the media and stuff and TechCrunch and everything that's all they cover. So like, I get that's all people see, but there's a lot of other paths in terms of bootstrapping if you can. It's not obviously possible for everyone, but it's like, first step is that, like, do you even want to be fundraising in the first place? But also then it's like, once you dig deeper, it's like, what do you control? Like you can't control the reactions to, of VCs, but what can you do? You can reach out to a number of people, you can craft your pitch, you can craft cold emails, you can try to get warm connections. Like there's a lot of things you can do in the process. So whenever someone gets stuck, it's like, I like to just ask like, which things have you done already? How many investors have you reached out to? 30, what about more? What's your message? What, what's your outreach message? Do you have any ins to these VC firms? Can you reach out to angels? It's like, all goes back to then like what you control, like in the process. Cause to your point, like Kobe, he saw that, he broke it down. He saw that he was like, all right, I have to do this, train my legs, etc." He also said after that, that he shot in the gym all night when he got back. I think mm -hmm. that was one of the things too yeah. when he got home. Yeah. yeah, and it was like, that, like that's what you control, and then you do that. So like, I think it probably applies to all different disciplines. Yeah. 
You know what? It's interesting of entrepreneurship, like trying to build things. I think the most, the thing that causes people to quit, it's like the self-doubt. There's moments when you're on this journey and you're trying to build something and it's not working and you're constantly getting pushed back. And I feel like these, it's almost like, there's like, like you start to hear the whispers in your own mind, like the self-doubt becomes louder. It becomes louder and louder. And I think that's why like, even what you're saying, it's just, it's powerful because I think once you start taking action and you're just, it's like playing sports. Like you can be nervous before the game, but once you're in the game and coach calls your number and you're there and you're driving to the hoop or you're catching a pass from the quarterback, like you're just in the game. You're not nervous anymore. You're just doing the thing. And I think it's yeah. the same thing in entrepreneurship, which is like when you just break it down and you just like in, in Mac, in Mac Conwell's case, because I, I had a conversation with him as well. It's like once you just start sending the emails every day and it's part of your routine, you're not nervous about sending emails. You're just like you're just in the thing. You're just doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like how many responses are you getting? What's the response you're getting? And you just keep going until you get to where you want to get to. Hmm. I'm curious. It's hard though, to be clear. Oh, go ahead. One thing I just want to say, it is is hard, obviously, though, right? Because it's like, at what point do you stop? Do you stop? Because at what point? It's never. That's the hardest part: is deciding, is this actually like a business that should be ventured back? You're trying to raise capital. You can't raise capital for months, three months, four months, five months. When do you stop? But then I talked to people who were raised for like six, like a year. It's like, well, they didn't stop. I mean, people who like bootstrapped and figured it out and they raised in 18 months, they didn't stop. But how do you know? And it's so, it's so hard. But that's the hardest part is like, you don't know that side of it. Mm. It's, it's funny. Cause I was having, I was having a conversation, I think with my mom actually, which was like, we all have that story of that person growing up who was like, I'm going to be a singer or I'm going to be a basketball player. And they're like, 40 30 years old and it's like it's over (laughs) and they're still like there (laughs) trying to like putting up their shots after the game like trying to go to the nba or still like doing concerts and it's it's a difficult balance because it's like who who are you to tell that person that they can't do it and a lot of the times it's like when they the moment that they stop if they had maybe continued just a bit longer that might have been their break but then at the same time, it's like what you're saying. It's like, you also have to be in reality. You can't just be in your own bubble. And I guess yeah. like the whole thing is a balance, right? It's like a balance between these things. Yeah, it is. And it's also like, it's almost also like the, like, I don't know, it's almost like the Jeff Bezos regret minimization framework. Like, what will you regret less? Like, if you do this and you keep going and you still can't fundraise, but you gave it an extra three months. Will you regret that three months? And if you're like, oh, I wouldn't regret trying three months longer, then keep going. If you would regret stopping now, then maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> like, there, like, I just think of it from that way too. And like from founders I've talked to or people I've interviewed or like my own stuff too, it's like, would I regret doing this? And so like when I went daily on my podcast back in August of 2020, I was like, I always had wanted to. And I was gonna regret not doing it. I wanted to try it, so I just did it. Same thing with the nomad life. Like when I was doing that, I did the like nomad for like three months because I always had thought about it. And I'd be like, I'm going to regret not doing this if I don't do it again. Because the year before I thought about doing it, circumstances changed, I didn't do it. And then I was like, I'm going to regret this if I don't do it this time. And so now I did, I'm back in LA again. It was great. It was a great trip, but I did it. And like, 
I, I don't want to regret that moment. So it's, it applies to whether you're you know, starting a company, whatever people are so afraid to do these things. And it's like a lot of times one, the deci decisions are reversible potentially depending on what you do, depending on what the decision is. And two, are you going to regret it or not? Cause I can live with that choice of like, Oh, well, I, I spent more time on this and it didn't work out. Okay. Versus like not trying and then living forever knowing you didn't try. And you're like, well, that sounds terrible. Mm. So what are you willing to live with in that and sacrifice in that is also part of it. Mm. I'm, I'm curious, what do you think, and maybe you don't even know yet, but what do you think is the next thing you would regret not doing? Like what's the next thing that feels like not doing a podcast every day or like not doing the digital nomad? Like what, what is the next thing that feels like that to you? Yeah, I think about, I mean, I think about Vitalize all the time. So like what we're doing and what things we should be doing. So that's like always top of mind. And I think one of the things with it, and I remember having this conversation and I haven't shared it before, but like with, with Gail, our founder, and I obviously have just got grind going, I have other stuff going. I very much so am like an entrepreneur at heart. I love building things. And so I'm at a venture capital firm. But the thing is, when I think about ever even potentially leaving, I'm like, I think about these things. I think about, I love the team so much. I love what we're doing inherently. I love the flexibility, the autonomy to go build things. I believe in what we're doing. So like right now, even the whole idea of me getting settled back in LA after three months of like not having a home, basically, I'm very excited to build Vitalize for years to come. And it wasn't always the case. Like I always loved what I was doing, but I didn't know if it was like, well, am I going to stop in a year or two or three? Like hmm. right now, I don't want to. Like I, and that's the one thing like, I think I regret because the thing is like, as I move on in my career, always searching for the next thing, the next thing, next thing. Right. And like, you want to have your successes and you want to have your wins, whatever. But now for like the first time, it feels like I found the thing like vitalize is the thing. Like we can, we're going to do some crazy big stuff. I and mean, this is going to grow. And like the angel community is going to grow. It's innovative. The venture fund, we're going to continue doing more on that. We're going to build more products for founders. Like, I can see where this goes and I'm so excited about that. that I'm going to regret not doing it. Like if I left Vitalize, I can, I've thought about it in my head and the scenarios, like, like I said, I like to build things and do my own thing. And I've thought about that. I walk through it and I'm like, I can't because I, there's, there's so much I want to do with this team and what we're doing. It's like, this is the thing now. That's the one thing like, that's, that helped me actually decide. I'm like, oh, let's just keep rolling. Like, why would you stop? There's so much to do. And so that's one of the things I think like, I've thought about what I would regret was that. And now, yeah, moving back to LA was to get settled, to get back to work <laughs> on more mm -hmm. stuff. Like I was obviously still working before, but like I wanted to just hone in on like stuff we're doing at Vitalize, setting up, we have city programs coming up. Where we're gonna do a bunch of stuff with cities for Vitalize Angels. I wanna do more in LA for to help founders, which is also gonna help Vitalize. Like there's so many things coming up. So like those are the things that I would regret not sticking to it, not going deeper on the relationships. Cause like this has been almost two years for me at Vitalize. And I think the longest I've been at one place is two and a half years. And so, you know, it's getting close to that longest thing even. And I think I have no plans at all stopping and I'm so excited for it. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I think there's a, there's a confidence that comes when you've kind of found your thing. Cause then it's like, you can, you, things can start compounding. Like you can just stay in this so long that like things start building. And that's when you really get those kind of outsized returns like those that real big benefit that real impact i kind of i want to i want to give more context to the audience can you kind of just explain first of all like 
give more context around Vitalize, like what's the thesis? And then also like how you met Gail and like how you even got involved with the team there. Yeah. Yeah, so Vitalize, a couple of different things. So we focus on the work revolution, what we call it. So people first, data-driven, transformative ideas in the future of work. So work revolution is where we focus, and that's our, our, our fund is B2B companies, B2B software companies. At the seed stage is where we invest for the fund itself. And so we have fund one was a $16 million fund, and then we have our angel community, which is like 425 plus angel investors. It's open to everyone, including non-accredited investors. And we bring in deals every month for them. They invest at the pre-seed stage with that. And so we have those two entities that tie together. Basically the deals where we see at pre-seed, we're hoping that those deals in the angel community eventually will be big enough, good enough, progress enough to be invested in out of the, the fund. And so the angel community is the, like the biggest difference from anything that's out there because it's not accredited. So we leverage WeFunder in the back end to pull it off. So we lose crowdfunding. It's like a private link we do. We had spent a lot of time figuring out how to make this work. But the cool thing is if you're going to open up access to the asset class, it can't just be accredited investors. It doesn't work. <laughs> like there's a lot of people who have capital who can invest small checks, a thousand dollar checks into startups that can build wealth through angel investing in that way, if they're able to. So, we're providing that with Vitalize Angels. So that's a little bit of context on on that. And then in terms of Gail, so I was doing the podcast daily, Just Go Grind, I was doing it daily. And then I remember DMing her, I had seen her stuff on Twitter. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Female-led venture firm, but then also as this angel community, like that's intriguing, like what she was posting. Cole DM'd her, was like, hey, I love what you're doing. Do you wanna come to the podcast? And she said, yes. And then from that though, that turned into podcast interview after she posted this position director of marketing and community at Vitalize. We're going to launch this new angel community. We're going to do all this different stuff. And I was like, that's great. Someone else should take it. Like not me, but someone else should take it. Like, cause I'm doing my own thing. I'm going daily on the podcast. Like I'm rolling now finally. And then like a week later, I'm talking to my friend, Sandra, we're like walking. I'm like, oh, there's just, there's this thing I can't shake. Like I need to reach out to Gail. Like I'm really curious about, like, I kind of want this position. Cause I was like, it'd be cool to be at a venture firm. Like all the stuff we could do. I have like, a lot of ideas and like then basically reach out to Gail. It was like, Hey, like if, if this, is this, I asked her, I remember emailing her, is it remote was like the first thing. Is this a fully remote role? Cause I was in LA, she's in Chicago. And then is there any issue with the podcast? Like me doing my podcast and I'm not going to stop it. I was like, I just told her, I was like, I'm not going to stop the podcast. Is there any issue with that? Cause if it is cool, like move on, no hard feelings, whatever. But if you're good with that, like let's chat. And so then she's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. I want you to keep doing it. Like, Oh, Awesome. So I basically had the role and then got the role and started in January of 2021. And we've been off to the races doing a lot of different things since then. Yeah. I always, I always find it, I always find it interesting when you get like those nagging feelings. Like <laughs> I, I think, I think for me, whenever I find something that that's similar to that, it's like, I can't sleep. Like the sleep just goes. I remember having that with the podcast. It was like, I, I saw the idea. I saw the lane for it. And I had done the first couple of episodes, so I knew I loved it. And then it was like, yeah, I, I couldn't sleep until I went, until I put my energy towards it. I'm curious then, how did? Wait. Well, go ahead. You know, I was just gonna say, I, I think one of the things and how I got to that point in that week was just like, I thought about and took a step back and like really did a lot of journaling a lot, and I do a lot of like journal every day, and like was just trying to journal and think about okay, where was I going with this podcast stuff? It was definitely hard because I was getting sponsors for it, but it was like. Is this enough to cover rent? Is this like, what am I gonna do? Like I was willing to do anything though. I was willing to like cancel my lease, like move back home, keep, I, that was like my path in my head, right? So I'm like, I'm thinking of like, okay, I'm going full like hustle, grind, like I'm gonna make this work, whatever. And this new thing came in. So then like 
shifted everything. Like it literally changed everything. It was like, wait, let me just pause and reflect. And when I thought back to, okay, what I cared about, like impact in some capacity, unlimited potential in terms of the things I work on. I don't want to be limited like at all who you work with, like all these different factors and like how my skills tied together. I was like, wait, I have this network of founders. It's valuable. Like I know that's valuable. I can create content. I'm building this podcast. That's valuable. I'm obsessed with like startups and venture capital and like building things that's going to be valuable. And I, I can, I work very hard and like all these things, like where's that going to be spent on or where's all those things like go to. And when I thought about a venture capital firm and then starting stuff within that venture capital firm, like this Andrew group and other stuff, I was just like, this is probably the best combination of my skills and interest and the team itself that I'll ever get, which like, I had the inkling of that then. And it's still today remains true. Or like, you can see the Twitter stuff has grown because I take my own approach to it. You can see the angel group has grown because like how we approach building that. The team itself in terms of like everyone being able to execute, but then being just like good human beings in venture capital. It was like all these things where it's just like, oh, like, yeah, check. Like that validated my original assumption two years ago in like October of 2020 when we were talking about this idea or whatever it was, November. And then, yeah, it continued to today. Hmm. You know, I was just thinking as you were saying that, that's the reason that when this opportunity comes along, in my case, like I can't sleep or in your case, you can't stop thinking about it. It's because there's different, there's different reasons why it just makes sense. It's like all of these different things that you've been working on and thinking about are all coming to a head at one point with this one opportunity. And it's like, it's almost overwhelming. It's like you have to take it like it just it's like things converging into one. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And if you don't, again, the, re- the regret thing, right? If you don't do it, you're going to be regretting it forever. Like I had I have other opportunities to join venture firms before. Like I interviewed some VCs. I had people had reached out to me like, well, you trying to get into venture capital? I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm doing my podcast thing. And like not until this was like different, right? Like I didn't want candidly, I did not want to join another venture firm led by white males. Like I just was not intrigued by people doing the exact same thing as everyone else. Like that to me has never been interesting. Like people doing the exact same thing. Like what's the point? Like it's fine if you're going to do that. And like, I get it. It's a great industry to be a part of for me personally, though, I want to do new things and different things. And that to me is more interesting regardless of like pay, regardless of anything, like could be a bigger fund. Like, sure. They probably pay more in terms of like a massive fund with all these management fees. But to me, it's more fun to be like, okay, we have a smaller fund, smaller management fees, but then we're also building stuff on the side that we could also make money from and pay the team that way too, on top of raising another fund. Like there's so many things you could do. I love the creativity, the idea of working with a smaller team, like all these different things just made sense. So it's like follow that instinct. I think you'll be a lot happier going that way. And there is a lot of potential upside as well when you look at like what this could become when we are successful with it Hmm. i I like i like that as advice like follow that instinct because i think everyone there's certain times in your life you can just feel it and i almost i take it now i'm like if the sleep starts to go when a certain idea comes (laughs) along it's like a sign like i kind of just know i'm like ah shit here we go (laughs) you just have to yeah here we go again you know you know what's interesting as i was listening to you speak at the point before you joined Vitalize and you have this conversation in this podcast interview with Gail, it was part of your identity was like 
the podcast. It was like central to your identity. Yeah. I want to, can you kind of take me back to the origins of the podcast? Like why, why did you have so much conviction for it? Why did you want to go so hard at it? And just to give context to the audience, I put out this podcast once a week. It is a bunch of work to do once a week. So every day, I don't even know how you were doing that. (laughs) That's impressive. (laughs) It was a lot. I mean, yeah, it was probably three, three plus months of that. Maybe a hundred plus episodes in a row, I think. For me, like I had, okay, taking a step back. So in 2017, I decided to go to business school. So I went in 2018, but I decided in 2017, I was like applying to business schools and doing the whole thing. So once I knew I already was going to go, I had gotten into USC, I think in first round. So in 2017, I knew I was going to go to USC, I got into USC. Then 20, end of that year, I was like, I want to start something though before school. Cause like, I'm just crazy like that. And so I started just go grind as a blog to showcase different careers and different career paths and what it was actually like in a job. So what I did it as it was like text-based interviews, send the questions over, people respond to it. Like I post those as like blog posts. Cause I was like, okay, what's it like being software engineer at this company? I have no idea what the day to day is like on like all these different roles, product marketing and all this different stuff. I was like trying to reevaluate my career at that point. I've been at e-commerce company for a couple of years. It was great. I enjoyed it, but I stopped learning as much. I felt like there was a ceiling there. So going back to business school, I was like, okay, I'm doing this thing. I started showcasing those blog posts on this, I'm just going as this career website because I had been blogging since 2013. And so I knew that skill set. But I'd also listened to podcasts for years. Like I was pretty early in terms of listening to podcasts, like probably 2010, 2011, maybe. Like, I don't know, maybe 2009. Like whenever, a long time ago, I was listening to podcasts. And it's always like, at some point, I'm going to start a podcast. Like there's no way I'm not. And so I did these interviews with like this like text-based interviews for a while. And then eventually I was like, all right, I already talk to people all the time. Like I have no problems, even as a little kid, no problem talking to people. I'm like, I should do this podcast day before business school because I'm going to meet all these different interesting people anyways. It's like the perfect opportunity to do a podcast. And so I started in like June or something of, of 2018, right before business school started. And sure enough in business school, I interviewed some of my classmates. I interviewed some of the guest speakers that would come on and like had them on the show. And it was the easiest ask then when you're like, you're not like get coffee with me, which is hard for some like guest speakers. It would be like come on the podcast, which is totally different for them. And so that was like the hack. So that's why that's how it got started. Originally it was focused on different career paths, showcasing people all different types of careers. Then I, I gravitated towards the founder side of it. I loved the founder piece of it. That was always who I enjoyed talking with the most was founders still to this day. So like, it just morphed into, okay, I'm going to just focus on founders. And eventually when I started talking to more founders, it was like, well, the show is helping founders. I need to showcase the other side of the table and have investors on there. So eventually I had some more investors on, I started reaching out to them and they progressed from there. But that was kind of the kernel of how it started. And then it just grew from there. Hmm. Now that's, that's super interesting. And I, I like that just very organic. I'm, I'm curious, was there ever a strategic element to it? Was there ever like, I'm going to keep doing these interviews and like at some point I'll probably be able to have a certain connection that will happen here or like, or was it just completely just, I just enjoy doing these conversations. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a couple of different things. One, I obviously enjoy doing them, which is why I continue to do them. I don't really need to do my own show still. I mean, we have one at Vitalize, so I wouldn't have to do both in theory. I think the biggest thing for me and how I look at it, even from like when I started, it was always network. Like I just, 
again, it goes back to that work, work ethic thing of like fourth grade when I'm like doing these laps around my house and stuff. And like, that's just in you. Right. So I always have been like a long-term thinker, play the long game, play the long game, play the long game. So when I started the podcast, I'm like, I don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but I imagine talking to a lot of smart people, like every week having another person it's going to lead to something like that was basically the kernel of it. it was like wait this is going to be interesting for other people i'm going to get better at talking to people i was always like had no problem talking to people it's different doing an interview as you know and then i'm like this network side of it was like this other piece of it's going to be helpful in my career in business and entrepreneurship somehow some way at some point so why not do the podcast thing so a mix of knowing in long term, I'm going to meet a lot of interesting people, but then more tactical as it progressed for sure, in terms of who those people are going to be on the show, how that's, how does that lead to growth? Who do I enjoy talking with the most as we've gotten to like, then I've created podcasts for another startup before I've consulted for, for people on podcasts before I've been a part of another organization that used podcasting for B2B sales. Now at Vitalize, we have a podcast which is very much so strategic on like, we want to meet more investors for co-investors for sure. We want to build our brand and venture capital. We want to meet more founders. So like very intentional on that, but while also believing in the medium as this is a great relationship building tool, regardless of any audience, but you also can build an audience. <laughs> so that's how I think about it as well today. You know, you know, one thing that I think about, and I've made this mistake before where like, before you get into something, it's like you want to go too strategic. You want the path to be like clear. Like if I, and I think it almost comes from like the way that we, maybe this is controversial, but maybe not. It kind of comes from the way that we do schooling and like education. It's very much like if you get this, if you get these results, you'll go to this university. And if you go to this university, you'll get this job. If you get like, there's a very, there's like a linear clear path to that. And I think, the kind of thinking that gives rise to is like, okay, I'm not getting into something unless I can see the clear path forward. I put in A, I get B out, it's clear. And what I've realized, especially doing this podcast more than anything, cause it's, it's crazy once you just start putting value into the world, these random opportunities that you never would have considered like certain things that like I've been doing this podcast for nine months certain things that nine ten months ago I'm like that would never happen it just comes randomly and it's so organic and it's like and it's it's weird because when when the opportunity comes if you've been putting out enough value it feels like you're prepared for it like it feels like everything was like culminating to this moment and I think that's the power in what you were saying it's like just this long-term view and it's really faith it's faith of like i don't know exactly what this is going to lead to but i know that there's just the value's intrinsic it's it's value just there's something valuable about just putting value into the world and that eventually will come back yeah and like just doing if you can i know this is like a tim ferris thing around like if you do something like the podcast for instance where even if it quote unquote fails you still win in some way while building skills, relationships, whatever, then do that thing. I remember hearing that years ago and I was like, oh, that's really interesting to hear that because it makes sense. Like even if you had zero audience or very small audience, but you still got to talk to people, improve your skills, and then to your point, 
increase your like surface area for serendipity, like then it was worth it anyways. And like nothing about this podcast, like my show. So my podcast starting in 2018, do the show. And then three years in a little more than three years in meet Gail. Right. And now I may spend a decade, two decades, the rest of my career at this venture firm from a podcast guest that I cold DM'd on Twitter. And that changed my life to spend how much time on this company with these people because I started this thing. That's insanity to me. Like how? That's crazy. Mm. All because you started something and you get momentum, you trust that it, it'll lead to something good because you like, oh, this thing is cool. I like doing this. I enjoy doing this. I think it's valuable. And then you 240 episodes in, you have Gail on the show. <laughs> and then mm. you meet this person. And that leads to potentially the next decades of your life being tied up in something else that you didn't even know existed before. That's mm. pretty powerful. Yeah. There's also just such a power in the catalog. Like even I've started thinking about that recently. Like even the fact that you say like 240 episodes, I don't even know what you're up to now. You must have like an ungodly amount of podcast episodes. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> but like there's, 360 maybe. That, but it's power. There's like power in that catalog of just like, you've done all of that. Even, yeah, even more recently, I've actually started to like make that into an air table of the guests, their email, their Twitter, their LinkedIn, their location. So I'm like, whenever I think of something, I'm like, oh, I go to a city now. It's like, oh, that's right. I know 10 past podcast guests are in this city now that like whatever, like there's so much more because you've had that conversation. It's, it's different than almost any other medium. So like the back catalog and your, your, your work, it's like, Imagine going to a job now and you can show your work of all these past podcast episodes, all the things you put out into the world, even when you're like approaching a co-founder or an investor someday or whatever, like you have all this work to show them. There's this book, I think it's literally called show your work from Austin Kleon. And it's that exact thing of like showing the process, the journey, et cetera. Like if you look at my back catalog, it was like 300 some episodes of that podcast at the Vitalize podcast, you have blog posts like down, you have tweets, whatever, all this stuff that people could look at and be like, Oh, wow, there's a lot to go down, but this guy, this guy produces, even if they know nothing else about me, haven't never talked to me, their context before they even meet me, there's so much there. So I think anyone can do that by showcasing what they did. Like if you don't do that, then imagine working at a job and all you have is the name and a resume. That's it. Mm. Like you're, you're behind in almost every regard. Mm. You know what I think about when you say that? It's like, if you want to be interesting, do interesting things. Because Definitely. I think one of one of the, and I know I did this a lot when I was younger, and I think you get it, especially if you can like speak and articulate yourself well, you think a lot about like framing. Like how do I take what I have and just like polish it nicely and frame it so that someone will want to be involved or hire me or whatever. But then it's just a different energy when like you've just done so much stuff. You don't even need to frame anything in the right way. You don't even need to dress up something like the work speaks for itself. If you want to be interesting, do interesting things. Like you're just interesting, not because of what you're saying necessarily. It's like, no one can take 360 episodes from you. Like <laughs> that is like embedded. <laughs> yeah. And all those people, right? Like all those people you met along the way for that. It's more than just that even. It's like, oh, like imagine going to another venture firm. And it's like, oh wait, you've met like how many billionaires and founders and investors like just from seeing the back catalog that's it yeah. and it's like you don't think i've met other people besides that and it's just like so much to it when you when you put yourself out there in that way and it's hard for people i get that but when you have done that and you've like always gone above and beyond it shows and people notice 
like that's the thing like people notice like when you want to find like how'd you find that co-founder again going back to these things like how do you find the co-founder how do you find the investor how do you find your next product to work on or next company to join and when you have all these different things out in the world you never know who's going to come to you and find you from those things which like i find just the internet's amazing man. it's mind-blowing and amazing that you can just put these things out they live forever on there you can find stuff and like meet interesting people and now the twitter stuff is insane with like meeting people from Twitter in real life. I've done that so many times now where I'll go to a new city and just announce it and meet like 10 more people that I didn't know before. To me, that's amazing. Like this is a, such a great time in terms of that for building things and meeting people. And if you take advantage of it, like the world's yours. You know, I kind of want to go, I want to go to a theme that we've kind of discussed and we discussed it earlier, which is like simplifying things. And so say that someone, they've listened to this podcast episode they even heard what I said about your tweet that you put at the start, which is like, you're one tweet away from like doing something that you never dreamed of, that you never imagined. Can you kind of give a very practical sense? Someone that's inspired by this moment, they see the opportunity on the internet. What is something simple, like something actionable that they can start doing straight away to like capitalize on that? Like how can they start building? How can they start building that momentum? I mean, I think it all comes back to taking action. Right, it's like everyone has ideas. Everyone sees these trends. Like, what are you doing to take advantage of it, or whatever you want to work on? And it's almost like just the idea of pulling that thread. Like, there's always different, not even Twitter threads. There's all different threads of information or things out there that people could do, and pulling on that interest of like what you, what are you interested in, and what you find fascinating then pulling on that and seeing where that goes and where that leads to. Pulling on this other one, see where that leads to. Like To me, that's the thing I've done. I've gone from personal trainer to working at e-commerce company to business school to venture capital. It's been a very windy road, let's just say, because I always pull on the thread of like what I'm interested in and come back to like the grounding of what I believe in, what I want in life, and then seeing all the opportunities out there. So for anyone out there, it's just like, okay, if, Taking action is the number one thing. If I go back to anything, it's like taking action relatively quickly on almost anything that you, you're doing, especially early on, because you just don't know what it leads to. I always, I was thinking about this recently, actually. There's this question that everyone has to always ask themselves. It's like, what do you want? The problem with that question of what do you want is if you haven't actually touched something, explored something, been in the career itself, you don't really know if you want it. Like we, we expect high schoolers to then know what they want and go to college and then know what they want to study in college, but they had never done anything. Hmm. So how are you supposed to know what you want if you haven't even seen what's possible or felt what's possible or what it's like to work in that job as an example. So for anyone listening on this podcast, it's like the things you're interested in, you have to take action on those and pull those threads because you don't actually know until you do it. You can like think you know what that's like doing that thing, but you don't actually know until you're in it and doing it. So taking action is like the number one thing and just two parts, taking action, following your curiosity, that's it. Hmm. And you know, one thing I would add to that, to people is like, don't worry if it doesn't make sense. Cause I think that's the thing that's some, like it stops people, which is like, yeah, I'm following all these different threads of curiosity, but like it doesn't make sense. And yeah. Eve posted this on Twitter a few days ago, actually, like that Steve Jobs quote of like, the dots only connect looking backwards, never looking forwards. Like you can't, it only makes sense in hindsight why you were a personal trainer, then joined a startup, then started a <laughs> podcast and then joined a V, like that only makes sense looking back. It, at the time, if you told someone that, they'd be like, 
this guy is like unfocused or like he just doesn't know what's <laughs> going on or like it's only it's but you, have, you have to have that faith i think um, well i mean looking back i could i could definitely connect it looking back pretty easily and i can yeah. like tell you like there's certain things around, around that like okay personal training the thing i enjoyed about personal training most the conversations with people mm. like that was it that was like the impact piece that i was helping them but the conversations were that thing if I look back and like the strategizing, like, what can we do better next week? How can we like, how are you doing it? Like, where's your head at? Which is like coaching, which is kind of what I do for founders now in terms of just a grind community and having these one-on-one conversations and office hours, which is the same thing as personal training, but also the same thing as the podcast, having these conversations. It was always what I wanted looking back at that. But the threat of impact was always there too. I was like, oh, I want to help people. But the one-on-one thing was like not the vibe I wanted. It couldn't scale enough. So I wanted to find a way to scale it more. Like, there's just like all these things looking back and you're like, oh, it makes so much sense now. But like, yeah, you can't tell that <laughs> forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's, here's where I want to end. I want to ask you one question. And maybe it's a selfish question on my part. But totally. I'm, I'm curious, you make these initial connections, the 360 episodes from the podcast, and it can be anything, right? Like, people will go to events and meet a bunch of people and maybe they'll get their number or their social media. Like there's always an initial connection. I don't really think that's the problem. I think more the problem is like, how do you take it deeper? Like, how do you make it impactful? How does it become a friendship? How does it become like a career long, lifelong partnership where you're helping each other? I think from looking at your Twitter, it's like, it's amazing how you like bring people together. Like, it's very, I wrote this in my note, it's very like value first. It's not an ask, it's like value first. I'm just curious, like how do you, what tips, how do you go about deepening connections with people and just continuing to offer value? Because I think it's easy to just meet someone and then it can kind of just fall off. First off, I'll say this, it's very intentional. Because that's the first thing. Like, do you care about having deep relationships with more people? That's like the first thing, right? And some people don't. Some people say like, they're, they're trying to get something else and think that this is a path of like, this is a maybe a shorter path and using people without even really thinking about using people if they're really trying to use people. I just think of it from the intentionality of like, if like, money's no issue or anything else, what do you want? To be surrounded by great people and like have fun, build things, enjoy it. Like that's it. So take away everything else. That's what you want anyway. So for me, like that's at the core. That's why I look at the Twitter stuff. It's just like constantly adding value because I, I think about that every day. Oh, what would be valuable for founders today? It's like every day, like every day. That's all I like, because that's like where I lead off with. And, when, and more tactically thinking about like, how do you do that? So for instance, when I joined Vitalize, I emailed all my past podcast guests and updated them that I joined Vitalize. When I went daily in the podcast, I emailed a bunch of past podcast guests. Like, hey, I'm going daily in the podcast. If you know any people, let me know. Like when I made career changes, I email everyone. Like, like those are the uns- things you don't see behind the scenes, but having conversations with them. Like I go run with my friend Sam in, in Marina Del Rey and she was a past podcast guest. How did that happen? Well, she then referred me to some other guests at one point. And then I think I maybe introduced her to some investors at one point. Eventually it's like, saw that I'm running cause I posted my runs. Like then we end up going to running together. Like they're just like, you continue to work on interesting things, as you mentioned, but then you keep in touch with those people. Like I'll retweet people. I will comment and engage on their stuff. Like the e- some of the easy things even people aren't doing. It's like the bar doesn't even seem that high to me, to be honest. Like 
it seems relatively low. Like be a human being on social media. Like that's one thing. Be a human being on social media. If you engage, someone's asking for, they are changing jobs, retweet their, their post. They're looking for something. Retweet their post. Like stuff like that is easy, but those touch points over time build trust and build relationships. Like think about your deepest relationships that you have. Like why are they so strong? You've probably seen that person dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. That's why something like business school was so powerful. We saw the same people five days a week for two years, basically. You can't replicate that by seeing someone once a month, once every other month. There's just no way you're going to have that same depth. But the touch points and the consistency over time of that and then giving without any expectation of anything in return. That's the tech stars thing. I give first. I've done that for years with people. I never, and it wasn't even like someone like could help me with anything. It was just like, I'm going to make that a priority. And I know this is going to be just a generally good thing for my life and others. If that's the approach I take without really caring too much about like, but what am I getting back from that? But you know, you're going to get stuff back eventually. You just don't know what it's going to look like. Right? Like that's, if you view it that way, I think it's much easier to sleep at night approaching it from that way of like, I'm going to give a bunch of stuff and I'm certainly going to ask eventually for things, but I'm going to approach it with that type of mentality and it's going to pay off and I can sleep at night knowing that's the way I'm doing things. Hmm. You know, what I, I, I love it's like, I love when I do episodes and it's one of the things I think about. I love when I do episodes and there's a clear thread throughout. And one of the things we spoke about is like simplifying things. And I think even in the question that I asked you, it can be quite a complex question because it's like, how do I create these deep connections that can have these impactful like effects on my life? Like there's a lot of ways you could take that. Like there's a lot of complexity and nuance to that. And it's like, you just added simplicity to it, which is like, have that value first mindset that you're not trying to take something from someone. Like you're just trying to give value and like help people and then just increase the touch points. Like just, take that long-term view and just, you know, respond to a certain amount of people on Twitter every day. Like there's always a way that you can make it action first and then it's simple. And when it's simple, it's actionable. And I think that's like, it's it's just excite, it's, it's exciting for people to hear that. You know, for the longest time, I had a single note on my computer that said one word, simplify. For years, I had that on my computer. A sticky note on my computer in the front, simplify, because that exact thing. We overcomplicate things all the time. We don't need mm. to. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. And I think that's the perfect way to end the episode. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Thread. Please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps me grow the pod. Also, let me know who you'd like to see come on the podcast next. I'm Callum. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you on the next one.